All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Can you see it? Did you comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser in with a shot he scores a moment's notice it only You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
What's going on, everybody? It's the Canucks Conversation live here on YouTube and in podcast form, no matter how you get it. My name is Chris Faber, our technical producer for the show, Alex Allard, joining me in studio here, filling in for David Quadrelli, Harmon Dial. Thanks for being here, Harm. The show is delivered by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Promo code COMBODD. That'll get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. I don't think it gets much better than that, folks. That's what uh, Quads normally says. Fridays with Harm. Brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Zephyr Epic. Their Black Friday sale is over. The Cyber Monday sale is over. But they still got you covered for all your needs before Christmas here. Good time to get that in right now. Use Hockey Season. That's our promo code. All one word. Hockey Season. That'll get you $5 off your order and free shipping throughout Canada. Pick yourself up some Pokemon cards. And I just got this in the mail for all the YouTube listeners. My beautiful Polyrath just came in the mail here. And Alex, I don't know if you got it pulled up there yet. This matches my Halloween costume I wore when I was 10 years old that won the best costume at Harewood Elementary. Wow. I got the Pokemon card to match the costume now, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. Harm, how are you doing on uh, December 2nd here today? I think we were joking about it coming into this. How is it only December with the jobs that we do covering the Vancouver Canucks every day? It is only December 2nd, my friend. We're not even at the 25 game mark. I know. I think I'm kind of becoming accustomed to this feeling, though. One question <laughs> I have is, when we recorded the last episode, had they won the game prior? Or were we recording off of a loss? I think off of a loss, and I heard you talk about this on yeah. the bank. Have you done a podcast this year or a show? I where have, not have not done a, a single podcast or show this season coming off of a win, and we've hit December. That's tough. It's rough. But so, you know what it is? It um, It's good in the sense that, I mean, a lot of times there's this narrative about negative media, and they love to thrive off the negativity. And I understand it in the sense that, look, controversy, when people are angry, um, that generates some level of whatever interest. But when you're a tire fire every year, eventually that just becomes a norm, and, and there isn't that sort of interest, and it just becomes, like, just as it's hard for fans to... Uh, root for the team. I'm not saying it's hard to um, cover this team, but it's obviously a lot less enjoyable. And we go through the same emotions of, oh, here we go again. And can't believe we're in the spot uh, for a third consecutive season. So we'll uh, we'll try and have some fun, fun along the way. We're going to bring some positivity. But, man, it's getting harder and harder by the day. I, I probably spent the last seven minutes of yesterday's game in the press box just fully back in my chair. You probably saw me, basically my head on the wall. I just was I've never seen you attention. like that. No, last I'd night never something was off. I would never would have in my life imagined a team being able to break your spirit. <laughs> no, I and that's the thing. I think that's the, <laughs> that's the worst part is like, hey, so growing up, I was a Canucks fan. I, I want to see the Canucks win. I, I cover too. the team. I can't cheer for them in the press box. I, I know I can't do that, but I... I want to cover this team when they're good. And it's, it is, there are times in this job where, like, listen, this is a great job that we have. We both love what we do. It's, it's incredible. Super lucky. But it, it's, I think that's the worst part for us. And I, I hate to always do this and, like, say that it sucks for us. But, like, it, it does, it just sucks because it's like, we know how much fun this could be. Like, this could be the most incredible yeah. job in the world that we get to, like, work. And obviously, and both of us have worked really hard to get where we're at. It's just, it's too bad that we're not able to, to fully, get the experience like I think we both hope for like when we were kids and you know you're still a kid but like when you were a kid at 16 writing your articles like how cool would it have been for you to think like you know six seven years down the road covering a playoff team yeah when Pedersen gets on this team and Hughes gets on the team like covering these guys in a playoff situation it does make it tough in it um yeah it makes the job a little bit 
just like the daily grind is actually becoming a daily grind when it's like this job feels like it shouldn't be that, but it, it is unfortunate it's, that we're in that spot. But I hate to say like the woes. Me. Well, well, well it's not. It's, yeah. I mean, by no means are we trying to do that, but it's also just the perspective of at the end of the day, we cater to Canucks fans, right? Like that's our audience. That's who we're um, trying to deliver for. And we want our, we want our audience to be happy. We want the people in the city to have a team to cheer for. I really, feel for fans because mm. whether it's in the arena or just out on the street wherever like you run into connects fans all the time and you get to see that obviously these are real people with with real lives and um you can sense the passion and emotional energy and all that investment they still have like the fact that they stick by this team and are so loyal and have been so patient through the down years more than anything it's not even crushing from my perspective it's kind of like the spirit of watching, like, it hurts to see fans that, you know, are rocking, are fully decked out in Canucks gear, uh, are excited every single season, buy tickets, um, even if they don't buy tickets, even if they just watch consistently and keep up with the team, they give a level of emotional investment and put their time um, into this franchise and they get no payoff and that, like, that hurts just for me to see other people go through that, if that kind of makes sense. So I think that's often the most um, crushing part about it. it. It isn't just like what I'm going through of like, oh, the, well, it's harder to talk to players in the locker room. I don't like, yeah, I mean, ideally you'd want a better environment, but I don't really care about that. For me, it's more, I just hate to see our audience, our listeners, the people that support us. I hate to see them going through that pain. Yeah, and I think more and more you'll see people check out, and that that's what really sucks too. Yeah, like, you know this sport can be so fun. I think that's the part that we're both kind of getting at here is like the potential is so incredible, and I'm not even talking about like the players on the ice, just like the potential for the Canucks being good. We've seen what it's like. Yeah, when the Canucks are good, it is so fun. And I think that's what I feel like. It's like, man, I wish you know we could all be we could be coming into this show and being like, does the fourth line need a tweak? Like what uh, yeah. what's wrong with this lineup? Can you change something in the fourth line? Like and it actually matters, fun. right? Yeah. And the other thing was it was funny. I was taking the Canada line to the game. Uh so a a lady saw two um young guys probably around our age in uh, Canucks jerseys and she goes, "Why are there so many Canucks fans when they're never good?" Mm. And it, I was just like, that's what a cat, that's what the casual person is thinking. And A, that's really sad that the, the fact that that question has to be asked in the first place. But B, I think we've seen in Vancouver, you're always going to have the core base of diehard fans that are loyal and stick by this team no matter what. Those guys are the real MVPs, the true champs. But the way the city can come together when there's something to be excited about. Like when we had the 2011 team, obviously when we when we had the Olympics and Team Canada, there's a special buzz. There's something you can't put your finger on it, but the atmosphere of the whole city just changes, and the amount of um, Canucks gear that you see, it just becomes entirely a Canucks market. And it's something that I've only ever seen before in the states. Where yeah. when I was on the Canucks' first road trip out in Philly. I was like, holy crap, the, the Phillies are in the playoffs. And that day, I'm not exaggerating or lying or, 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 or stretching the truth here. I'd wager at least 60% of the average people walking on the street had some type of Phillies gear, whether it was hat, a t-shirt, jersey. It was electrifying. And 
that's the sort of, I mean, maybe not to that extent, but the Canucks got close to that type of atmosphere in 2011 with the whole city behind them. It didn't really matter if you were a hockey fan or not. You knew something about the team. You had some level of investment in what was going on. You you knew who the main core pieces were, Burroughs, Luongo. There were so many fan favorites to keep, keep up with. And I've mentioned this before, but now the average person, Unless you keep up with hockey, no one really like. If I bring up the Canucks to an average to um, a casual person um, who isn't necessarily a diehard hockey fan, the first thing that they think of are the Sedins, Luongo, Burroughs, and Kessler. Yep, Bieksa, like that core. They're still invested in that core, and I think that speaks to um, how when we when we do have an elite team in this market, which we're desperately dying for, it can do something special, and I think. Um, that's what hurts is we're still so far away from that. Well, and it's something for people to grab onto, right? And you mentioned the casual fans. Like last year, you could say that like Bruce Boudreaux was the thing they were able to grab, like grab onto because like, hey, the team scores a bunch of goals. What are we all going to do? We're going to say I thought Bruce, the bubble was better even. Like mm-hmm. I think, I don't quite think that the Bruce run, the Bruce run worked for Canucks fans. It got everyone mm-hmm. on board for that and everyone was yeah. united. I don't think it quite captured like the barometer I always use is my uh, my circle of friends, my circle of friends outside of the, the ones that are diehard hockey fans um, who, I mean, they, they're not really sports fans, but for when, when there's something really interesting, like this, like um, my best friend ended, ended up watching the Battle of Alberta in the playoffs. I'm like, dude, you never watch hockey. Mm-hmm. But it was like interesting enough that he was on board. He didn't really know anything about what was going on with Bruce Boudreaux or whatever. But, you know, the casual fan, I think, bought into when this team was in the bubble playoff um, in in August and, and winning at that time, that's, I think, when people were, like, back watching playoff games. You saw Scott Road absolutely bumping, and um, that we that wasn't even in at a time where the Canucks could host playoff games, right? Like, that was in Edmonton. So I think, it, I think it's going to take actually getting back into the playoffs to recapture that magic. I think it, what, it's been... Seven years since they've had a home playoff game. Yeah. Right. Like if you think about it. They, so that, that's that's really unfortunate. And I mean, I think when you start to see that, that is when we need to start to see some changes here with this team. I think that's what's going to be interesting to see. It doesn't feel like a lot of it can be done in house anymore. Like you can criticize Boudreaux for the lines that he's putting together right now. But that to me is not something that really needs to be criticized in the end. Like it's there's only so much he can do with what he has right now. And I think that. The thing that's been so scary for me, and and I've asked players this, is this the worst thing? I've asked Boudreaux this. I asked Shen this today. Like, is the scariest thing for a team to just be accepting of being outworked? And that's what we've seen. Like, I, I can't believe how the players so casually say, like, on back-to-back nights, how casually it comes out of their mouth that we were outworked again tonight. Like, we were outworked, we were outworked, we were outworked. We've heard outworked more than any other word over the past two post games. Like I, and then I, Shen gave a, bit, a little bit of a better answer about it. Like he was talking today about they're going out there and they're working, right? Their job is to be hockey players. They are going out there and skating. They're all going out there, but he he questioned the emotional investment with certain players, and he didn't call out any names. He just said that like you know there are certain times when this team emotionally may not just be as invested in when you see a goal start to happen, and then a goal thirty seconds later, and then another goal. You have three goals in fifty nine seconds against you. There, to me, that would break this Canucks team 100%. Any, no matter what game it was, you get scored three times in a minute, that doesn't break a Boston Bruins team. That doesn't break a Tampa Bay Lightning team. But this Vancouver Canucks team, they aren't emotionally invested enough to have 
just it within them to be able to try and make a comeback there. There might be a couple players. Like, do I think Pedersen gets three goals scored on against him in 59 seconds, and he's like, does he throw in the towel? No. Do I think a lot of other players on this team do? Yeah. I think that breaks a lot of these players in this locker room. But that's the unfortunate thing is the players that will not break in that moment, there's just not enough of them in this locker room at this point. And I think that this is the problem with the Canucks where they say what you want about them being good players. Like, listen, JT Miller's a player where he plays on any NHL team and he's probably putting up points, right? He's a good player, probably puts up points. Connor Garland, maybe he's putting up points better somewhere else. Brock Besser, maybe he's a 30-goal scorer on another team. It's just about what they have together here as a group that's not clicking for me. Like, this group is the problem more than the single players are. For sure. And when it comes to, like you mentioned, the part about them kind of consistently being outworked, or not even necessarily outworked, but more the level of emotional investment, maybe. I I really believe that this group of players wants to win. Like, what athlete goes in and, yeah. and thinks, oh, well, like, I don't really care if we win or lose. It's It's not about that. But when it comes to their level of commitment to unsexy parts of the game, the two-way mm. details, I've never gotten the vibe that this team enjoys and is bought in enough and commits to that side of the game. Like, I think this group loves to forecheck aggressively and, and pinch up the boards and uh, be in a system where they can skate a lot, where they can try and close on pucks quickly, where they can try and force turnovers. I think they love playing with the puck in the offensive zone. I think they love that when they have some momentum, the level of confidence that they gain, and they love to try and pour it on. And we saw that uh, against Vegas, for example, that when they do feel good about themselves, it's like they unlock a different level of... Um, there's something There's something different that, that you see come alive with this group, mm. but I don't think that they enjoy and are committed enough and are serious enough about things like net front coverage, back checking, um, winning loose pucks, like all of these little things that might, that there are a hundred of those little sequences in a game that you need to pay attention to. And that's why it's monotonous and that's why it's boring. But when you have lapses on them consistently, they're going to cost you eventually. I think those are the uh, minute details that this team doesn't either enjoy or care or commit enough to. I think part of it is obviously the personnel in that I don't, I think there's a level of with this, with the mix of players that they have, they also just don't have players that are capable and good enough in those areas, but I also just don't, I, I don't think they're willing to sort of pay that price to a certain extent to sort of play the right way. And that's what, Shen and Lazar have been harping on all the time. I mean, I'll give you an example. I was um, watching a game that was on the road um, with someone, I won't say who, but um, I think two or three weeks ago, and the Canucks were up one goal. The other team had pulled, pulled, pulled the empty net, and this person was going to be, wow, I've never seen this team battle so hard for loose pucks. I've never seen them skating this hard. Uh, be this competitive, be this committed to trying to defend the back door, to block shots, and all of these um, these um, things that aren't glamorous. But in that moment, in, in that moment, the person brought up, well, like, oh yeah, the net's empty. Everyone's playing to score for that empty netter. And I was like, <laughs> you're kind of right. You are like, it kind of clicked. I was like, 
you're right. I've never seen a guy hustle that quickly or, or be that desperate to win a battle or to block a shot or whatever it is. And um, that's, I think, uh, a concern that uh, that I have with this group. Yeah, I think that's the thing is we keep mentioning group. And that is, that is the thing. It's There's some good players here. Uh, there's some good players that would probably be better players in a different environment. Yeah. I think that's the way I'm looking at it. Let's get to some of the comments in here. Uh, Troy Max says, I turned it off in the th- at the start of the third. Not worth my time. I started cleaning my house. I thought that would be more interesting, and I actually found five bucks in change under my couch. There we go. The, the highlight of my night last night was full-size candy bars in the press box. We had a Mars bar uh, for the second intermission snack. That was my highlight of the night. Yeah, I, I stayed away from the Mars bar. I just, um, healthy guy, you know? Yeah, I know you're the healthy guy. I'm out there eating Doritos and Pepsi and Mars bars. Well, uh, you need it with this team. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, true. I need that to... Uh, yeah, we're we're joking about it before. You don't drink coffee because you don't have to rely on it at this point. Well, yeah, I think I'm I mean, at the point where I, I got to get my coffee and, and snacking. Well, the other thing I will say, just because we've been talking a lot about, I mean, we've been really down. What I will say is the silver lining in all of this, the bright spot. And I think this is more important than the misery of the short term is that I actually think it's good that the Canucks have been blown out the last couple games at home against Washington and Florida just because this franchise, with how desperate they always are to cling on to any semblance of hope, to retain the status quo, to avoid actually meaningfully changing what's going on with this franchise beyond just let's change out the coach or let's change out the GM. This team needs to be slapped in the face yeah. again and again and again and again until it's until you have no choice but to look at this team and go, we need to blow it up. Because, look, the team won five of six. I'll be honest, in that stretch, I looked at some of the underlying numbers just out of curiosity because that's always a good uh, good indicator of the of of whether a, a winning streak can sustain itself. Yeah. They'd won five of six in that time, and they'd controlled like 43% of um, the expected goal share in that time. Like they, The process had not improved at all. I think what had improved was the power play was playing at an elite level, and there were some things here or there where the defensive breakdowns weren't, at, weren't as egregious. But even those games, they're getting scored on four or five times a game. They're exactly. Just, they're just getting They're just outscoring the problems yeah. was what was going on. It's not as if they were playing a totally... Uh, different brand of hockey that was sustainable and so the worry that I had coming out of that five game five wins in six games even though in the short term I was like thank god they're winning and and there's there isn't an endless cycle of negativity there was a part of me that went god I really hope this team doesn't go on the set go on the sort of run that fooled this new management group last mm-hmm. season into thinking that oh we don't need to make drastic changes especially as you look at a scenario where um, you have to make a decision on Bo Horvat, Andre Kuzmenko, all of these players. It's another at least slap in the face that you got to do the right thing and um, and blow this up. Before we get to uh, our Nickelback song here, um, let's quickly touch on a couple things that happened from last night. Uh, Thatcher Demko obviously goes down. That sequence was just like, listen, for a goalie, for Thatcher Demko to get injured, that's horrible. Just like that sequence that set it up was like, yeah, this guy's getting, this guy has to work so hard every game. There was four shots in about four seconds from four different Panthers. 
in like within about five feet of the crease. Like they don't know, they don't know how to clear rebounds. No, it was hor- that was like that sequence that led to the injury was like I'm not saying that that sequence was 100 percent the reason why. Just it looked like a tough movement for him, but like. He's got to take a shot from his left, then take a shot from the center, take a shot from his left, take a shot from the right. Like this, like we talked about it a lot that like they're giving up a lot of high quality scoring chances on whether it be Thatcher Demko or Spencer Martin. And man, like that, the injury did not look good last night uh, for Thatcher Demko. If he's out long term, is that another slap that the Canucks need in the face? Right, like that is one of those things where could slap you in the right direction to really start to commit to making this team an actual at least on the path towards being competitive for a playoff spot. Because it's not this season. Yeah. They're not on the path. Well, what I was going to say is if he's out long-term, Spencer Martin's a great story. He's been competent, but he's not He's not going to be your no, going to be the number one that guides you into the playoffs or like turns the ship around. If Dump goes out long-term, and more concerningly, if it's the sort of scenario where he comes back and it's going to take him time to get back into the, get back into the flow of things, get back into rhythm. And let's say this, um, this season more or less in terms of his performance ends up being a write-off compared to last season. Then all of a sudden you're talking about this team potentially being, um, the, the potentially being in, in, in contention for a bottom five spot in the standings, which yep. I didn't believe they were even, even two weeks ago before they'd gone on this streak of winning five of six games and they were third last in the league by points percentage. I was looking at all the other teams in the league. I was looking at the fact that um, Demko would eventually turn it around or, and, and not to say that he'd get, get back to his elite play, but maybe it'd take months, but, Maybe all it would take is one decently hot stretch. Either way, I just sort of thought that this team is too good to effectively bottom out. But now with Demko status, a complete question mark. Yeah, I think sorry, you're in just scenario. to cut in there, Bruce Boudreaux said they will know at about five o'clock today, right? When he finishes up with the doctor, so we'll we'll be able to ask him in the morning tomorrow. Uh, so keep your eye on Twitter for that. There'll definitely be an update. If not, it might come out tonight. To get your dolly wall notifications on. Exactly. And so, yeah, I was going to say, like, if, if his status in terms of his health for, you know, however amount of time he's out, um, and then on top of that, you're not sure what performance you're going to get from him once he comes back, if that's a, a, a serious question mark, then this team's floor is a lot lower, which at least you can look at it from the lens of, well, maybe they might have a shot at then being able to um, secure some of the top talent um at the at the apex of uh, next year's draft class. Yeah, which is, listen, I know that a lot of people would be, listen, every single Canuck fan would be excited to get Connor Bedard, but it's not just about Connor Bedard in this draft, right? Like, if you are going to really make a commitment to, to trying to get a high draft pick, call it tanking, call it whatever you want, I, there's so much here. There's so much in, like, the top six to me, where you're getting a player who's, like, to me, the top six players in this draft are top six players yeah. in the NHL within two, three years. Like Definitely. I don't think any of them are missing. They are well. I mean, uh, Mitchkov won't be because he's in the yeah. KHL till twenty five. But like within a couple of years, you're getting a top six player for sure out of all these guys. Like I, this is the watching the way that these guys are putting up numbers and watching the highlights of them play. It's ridiculous to see what you're seeing in this draft. And this is the year to do it. This is the year to do it. Like I don't know. I can't believe it. the other thing I wanted to bring up before. Uh, I guess we'll we'll get to a couple news things before we move on here. Colin Delia, he's been called up. 
Um, so he's going to be at an emergency call up right now. So we'll see what happens with Demko. As I mentioned, five o'clock today, Bruce Boudreaux said they'll know by then. Um, so we'll have an update within the next 24 hours here, pretty much about what Demko's status is moving forward. But I wanted to dive into this a little bit because I think we touched on it last week a little bit. But the residual returns from making a trade here, and, and I want to start with the Horvat trade. I, I look at Horvat as a trade option, and I think just from comparables of things in the past, even if he's just a rental or if a team actually can get a re-sign done, like say it's Columbus and they can re-sign him, or the Islanders and they want to re-sign him, like or give him an extension. We touched on this a little bit last week, I feel like, but it's it's going to be like a three-piece trade, right? Like it's going to be a first-round pick, probably like a B-level prospect, maybe a C-level prospect, or a fourth, third-round pick. Like that's that's what I think. Do yeah. you agree that's... Yeah, I've been ballpark d- area. Ballpark, yeah. yeah. So let's roll with that a little bit. It's like a three piece trade coming back, or maybe it's a first round pick and, and a top prospect. Like it could be something in yeah. that realm. T- to me, you can also get a residual secondary return from having the ability to access that five point two five million dollars of cap or five point five. I think yeah, it's for Horvath. Being able to access that gets you another like that's the cherry on top of the trade because you can access that money. You can use it to help a team that actually wants to make a push for a playoff spot. And $5.5 million, Harm, you can answer this question for me. What type of pick does $5.5 million of cap space buy you? Potentially a first-round one. I, I mean, you I look at first as well. You look at when Toronto had to pay to get off the last year of Patrick Marlowe's contract, which, was, which carried a $6 million cap hit. The Carolina Hurricanes picked up Toronto's 13th overall pick, in the 2020 draft and drafted Seth Jarvis. Mm. Jarvis is is going to be a top six stud for years. He can play both wing and center, mostly been playing wing for the Hurricanes. But that goes to show you that when you have cap space, you can then weaponize it. I mean, the Canes are a perfect example of it. Even earlier back in the day when they took on uh, Brian Bickle's contract and as part of that picked up Toivu Teravainen, who's, again, been... Uh, a top-line staple for Carolina for a long time. It's another way to acquire acquire assets, and that's the... It feel, here's, if I can just cut in, it yeah. feels easy. Like, yeah. this feels I easy. Mean, look at, think about how the league is run through cap space, right? Yes. Now. If you're the team with some space to do it, like, yeah, I know there's a couple of the teams, like Arizona, I'm sure they're looking yeah. to do this exact same thing, but it's not like there's... 10 teams that are like, oh, we have all this cap space. We're talking about losing. I think if you get ahead of this, this is why I think like making that Horvat trade sooner rather than later gives you a much longer runway to work with that cap space for the residual value that you can get from using that cap space and utilizing it and weaponizing it. It's what we've said for years. Haven't seen it happen at all. If you get ahead of it, while there is only still one, two, three, four teams before you actually get to the you know trade deadline. And maybe there is 10 teams at that point that are like, oh, well, we can clear up some space like we can take your problem here like you want to get ahead of that you want to be a team that's able to have conversations on the way up see what value is around the league and then get that best value for it so i think starting to move on things now like you can't wait to like the the 35 game mark and be like ah maybe we aren't a playoff team like i think you need to make that decision now for once in what feels like the last 10 years get ahead of a situation for the vancouver canucks like that's that has just not happened. It feels like every move is like behind something or is resulting of something. Then it makes a move. Try and get ahead for once with this management group. And I feel like Jim Rutherford has to know that. This is a guy who did build cup-winning teams. And I know he had you know, some great players, obviously, there with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. The situation that you put yourself in with those players is 
pretty good when you have those guys leading your squad. But you have to understand that, like, every move shouldn't be reactionary for the Vancouver Canucks. There has to be a time where they just get ahead of something. When have they gotten ahead of anything? They haven't. And the other benefit of that, too, is if you move on from... Is if you're proactive and you start wheeling and dealing a bit earlier, that creates a longer runway for you to potentially tank and get a higher draft pick. So I... It's interesting because when it comes to the cap space and and sort of weaponizing that, I don't know if that's as valuable mid-season. It's still valuable, but Mm -hmm. I think there are just still so many teams are capped out that I don't know if it's essential for them to get ahead of it from that perspective. I think it would still be helpful. But just to illustrate the value of kind of the, the the value of the cap that you're going to be gaining... Look at a team like Philadelphia, for example. Uh, in the past um, offseason, they wanted to take a run at Johnny Gaudreau. They had such a uh, dearth of elite, high-end scoring talent. Sean Couturier, their best forward, had injury uncertainty surrounding him. They were a team that was desperate to kind of take a swing at things with the playoffs. So they obviously hired John Torella, didn't commit to a rebuild at all. They And, and, and Gaudreau wanted to sort of go back to that um, Metro Division sort of area. So he was... Philadelphia should have been in the running. They had James Van Riemsdyk's and James Van Riemsdyk's contract around seven million for one year left. They couldn't move it. They found it impossible to move that without giving up exorbitantly expensive assets. They couldn't get off the last year to even take a run at Johnny Gaudreau. You look at even the Canucks, for example, how desperately they were trying to move their own onerous contracts, their own inefficient deals, and how it led led to them having to give up. A second-round pick, which, by the way, seems insane at this point. I was saying it earlier as well, was it doesn't make... This team hadn't justified investing in short-term cap relief, and yet, just to get rid of Dickinson's contract and gain minimal cap relief, they gave up a second-round pick to get Stillman. Like that, That's such a head-scratcher. But again, that's an expensive cost. That's the cost of doing business. So the more cap space that the Canucks can gain the better they'll be able to weaponize it in other areas. Yeah, and that's... It's like you talk about that deal, and you talk about even, like, the Dickinson deal or or anything else. Like, that feels like an easy move for another team to make. And the Canucks weren't the only team in the... There's a lot of teams that are actually in contention for playoff pushes that need to actually move money because they're smart and they know that they need to do that to get their best chance of winning a Stanley Cup. Yeah. The Canucks were convinced that maybe that was, like... Is that... Like, that's the only reason you make that Dickinson trade. It's like, no, we... We do this. This is better for us to win the cup this year, right? Like yeah, that, I mean, that's that. That that's what that trade does because a second round pick is going to find you something definitely down the road, or at least the value of it in another trade. The thought process behind that trade is one hundred percent of we're trying to win the cup this year, for sure. And I went back and looked at the past two off seasons, the teams that had given up a second round pick or higher to gain cap relief short term. That is. It included Tampa. It included um, a bunch of contenders. It included the rain, uh, the Rangers, who went on to, um, uh, 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 who went on obviously to make the Eastern Conference Final. The Oiler, Oilers this past summer was Zach Cassian, who are coming off of a Western Conference Final appearance. It was essentially just a list of cup contenders, and then Vancouver and Philly. Yeah, 
<laughs> and Philly is one of the worst. I made the joke on the podcast last year. <laughs> even somehow even worse run than the Canucks. Yeah. So that's not the company you want to be in where you're looking at elite contenders and then two of the worst run organizations in the NHL. Like that's that's indicative of the lack of vision and not understanding um, the bigger picture and what's at stake. I want to get to a message that I saw a little bit earlier. And shout out to everyone in here. Softball, Jeffro, Jeep, uh, Troy Mack, everybody who's in the chat right now. Asked about the room being divided from hearing some of the quotes between, you know, whether it be Horvat, Pedersen, Miller, some of these guys talking. I don't think the room's divided. Like, I'm in there every day. I don't think the room's divided. But I do think that the frustration level that you see from certain players is vastly different throughout that locker room. There are certain players that frustration level is at a hundred. There are some that I think is maybe more in like the thirties. Like, you know, like they care, but there's certain players in that room that care a lot more. That's kind of my read of what we're seeing in the room right now. I don't think there's one side here or one side there. I don't think it's that way. I just think that there's a lot of give a bleep meter with certain players and maybe not as much with other ones. It's interesting because when it comes to any discussion about the state of the locker room, for starters, I mean, at the end of the day, you take 23 hyper-competitive elite athletes, you put them in a losing environment long enough. Like, the losing, it's kind of a the, the chicken and the egg, right? Like, what's causing what? To me, the losing is more, is the bigger cause, the, the reason for a lot of, um, you know, in, around the league when people talk about, oh, culture, the culture here isn't good enough, or um, the, the locker room starts... Um, starts coming into question because winning cures pretty much everything, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's so easy to look past a little bit of friction here and there to look past, um, minor problems when you're winning as opposed to when you're losing, it magnifies everything. And you're in a spot where all of a sudden you're playing the blame game or whatever, whatever it is. And with the connects locker room, I don't think it's like this dramatized, uh, there are pro- there are big problems in the locker room. I just think it's a group that isn't the most isn't the most cohesive as like a wolf pack. Yeah. If that kind of makes sense. It's not that they hate each other. It's not that there are factions in the locker room that where people are are, are going. I support this player and I'm on his side, and I support that player and I'm on that side. I don't think it's like that at all. I think it's more just a case of the way people have described it in the past to me is it's just not a group that's super tight-knit as a group of 23 per se and that doesn't arise from there being problem interpersonal problems and relationships that aren't working it's just the mix isn't that close and a lot of that is compounded by losing yeah i absolutely agree i think that's the thing like i'm with you it's i don't think it's worth sort of it's interesting that you bring up sorry just like the the magnification of the bad that happens when you're losing that is what you're seeing a lot of right now i feel like all right, let's get to uh next one. We're going to try and have some fun here. I don't know if we're going to get to our third thing on the ticker there where we try and be positive about something, but. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus. dot com slash acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. I want to have some fun with this one. If the Canucks were a Nickelback song, Harm, you and I are in the press box. When we hear "Burn It to the Ground" as a goal song, we look at each other. We're excited. We love it. So, I want people in the chat to get involved in this as well. Search it up. Google it right now. Pull up another tab. Get it going on Google. If the Canucks were a Nickelback song, what song would they be? Harm, do you want to get us started with uh, one? I feel like there's an Stole obvious mine. one. There's an obvious one, I was one, like, right? burn it to the ground. Like, you got to <laughs> you gotta take this core and just burn it to the ground. Burn it to the ground. That's a good option. I, I put a few more on the list here because far away might be another good one to use here. I feel like the Canucks are, are pretty far away from being yeah. uh, this competitive team that they think. Another solid Nickelback song. What about How You Remind Me? What's this team? Is, is that Does that reside with this team a little bit? What is this team like? What, it reminds you of depression? Is that like, I mean, what? It, what it reminds me of is like... The last year and the last year and the last year and the last year and the Groundhog Day of, of How You Remind Me every year that you... Can't make the playoffs. Yeah, this is how you <laughs> remind me, right? Like this, this, this team is reminding me that it's it's still the same. It's still the same core. It's still the same group of players, yep. and it's still broken. That's a good one. It's still a group that's not working. What about uh, this? Is what I thought of when I thought about when I think about players that I really think are being affected by this losing more than anyone. I, I think of Luke Shen. I think of Elias Patterson. I think of those two players. They come to mind right off the bat when I think of how the losing is affecting a player. Um, not even their ability to play, but just what they're like when we're dealing with them in the locker room, what we're seeing their their mannerisms are on the ice. Like, I, I think that uh, my song was, for that one, I said Saving Me by Nickelback because I I don't think Luke Shen's going to be here for long. I think he would really like to be on a competitive team. He's at that age now where he can move around, and as much as we love Luke Shen here, and he's about to, I think he's only seven hits away now, I think, from being the all-time leader in the NHL for hits which is incredible. He's approaching 3,000, which is going to be awesome. Everybody loves Luke Shen here, but I think Luke Shen also really likes winning, and I I, I don't think he's going to be here very long, and it scares me that the reason I chose this song, Saving Me, by Nickelback, was like, Pedersen needs a little bit of a boost here with him, the comments that he made a little while ago, a couple of years ago, or maybe a year and a half ago about you know wanting to be on a winning team and that being very important to him for what he wants to do in the next part of his career, like... What has this team shown him they would make him want to stay around after he finishes his contract after next season? What is What have they showed him? Have they shown him a plan? Have they done anything for him to make him think this is going to be a winning team? 
Like he might be looking for someone to save him and have a deal that happens. That's a really scary thing about the Canucks. I feel like they might be ruining Elias Pettersson's future here with Vancouver, the way this team is being run right now. Wow. Just when I thought this, this uh, conversation can get any darker. Yeah. <laughs> let, you know, let, let, let's, let's let that, um, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's not worry about that. I just, I, I am. Like, uh, it's yeah, a valid concern. It it's me. a legit worry, but I, I'd rather not think about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll skip that. Uh, so some coming in lullaby, burn it to the ground. How you remind me, where do I hide? And too bad. Uh, oh, by the way, what this, are you waiting for from Nickelback? That's a good one. Actually from Zabro. When it came to, do you remember the Nashville game when they did use it in the regular season? Yeah, the, yeah. So what I heard about that game was apparently the only reason that they ran it was because Chad Kroger was in the building, and so there was a call from above in the organization. It was like, got to change it. He's in the building, mm-hmm. so that's why they used it for one game and then didn't use it again. You know what? The exact same thing happened in Abbotsford when he was out. Uh, he really? was at the Edmonton Oilers game. Uh, right. He was at that game. He was also at another game where I was there later in the season, uh, or in the actual regular season for Abbotsford. He was at one of the games there. Chad Kroger was, uh, and they played it there as well. So, yeah, they're just – I can I – okay, before we go any further, that, since we're on the topic, I tweeted this out last night, and I feel strongly the trumpet about song? I hate the I trumpet hate song it. every time. It's so it, – That it belongs with Diaz and him coming I, – I, I was saying this. I was very vocal in the press, especially with Rob Williams. Don't get me started with him. Last <laughs> night in the press box, I'm saying this song, you can't play it six times. If you get six power play attempts, you don't play it six times. That song, if you want to use it in a hockey game, that trumpet song, everybody knows that you heard it from Diaz was coming with the Mets. He would come out of the, the bullpen for his closing song. You can use that, I think, in a hockey game if it's you just pulled your goalie, you just called a timeout. That's it. That should be the like that song can't be played multiple times in a game. It gets repetitive, annoying. It's too much. It's too much to hear it six, seven times if you have that many power play attempts. Yeah, I hated it, especially because we are in a spot where we hear it every game too. So yeah, it's it, it becomes overused and loses its, I guess, how unique and special it can be. But I, I was a hundred percent. Like when Rob said that, I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, I saw that grin on his face. So I was like, <laughs> "This is one of the worst takes of all time." Yeah. All right, uh, Alex. We'll quickly pull up a couple of graphics from today. Um, I wanted to get this one of Travis Dermott. Uh, we do want to. We were going to try and. Uh, can you be positive about something, Travis Dermott? Here's a positive thing uh, for Canucks fans that have made it through this far through the podcast. Travis Dermott was back on the ice. Uh, well, he's been on the ice, but he was back on the ice in a actual contact jersey today. He's wearing the black jersey. Talked with media after he mentioned that uh, he he isn't. Or, or no, Boudreaux told us this. He isn't going to be an option for them on Saturday. Still needs to do some pass. Uh, you know. Pass some tests, still look like he can practice with the team for a little bit. So don't expect him on Saturday against the uh, Coyotes, but do expect to see Dermot, I think, pretty soon. He's he's feeling like, uh, from chatting with him today, like he's excited, really happy to be back on, and uh, kind of talked about the recovery for his concussion. It wasn't so much about um, dark room stuff and, you know, staying away from the light. Like they, they tried to, you know, there's a new age way of, um, I don't know, recovering or, or at least sort of trying to heal from a concussion, I guess is the better way to put it. Um, there's some different things. There's some new ways. He was very happy with working with uh, the the recovery team there and the medical team for the Canucks. So hopefully you see Dermot on the ice uh, a lot sooner and later because that's something we can boost, hopefully, to the defense core there. Uh, and as well, Riley Stillman was still skating with Tyler Myers on a pairing. We did see Nils Huglander skate on the top line um, with Miller and Horvat on that line. No changes to the Patterson line. Third line was Sheldon Drys, Brock Besser, and Connor Garland. 
Uh, fourth line stayed the same. Jack Sudnika looked like the extra guy today. Uh, he also left the ice, but also came back after. So there's just some updates for you as they play Arizona tomorrow. Um, do you think uh, a loss against Arizona? Is that what does that do? Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. We talk about all the time. You're playing Arizona, who is clearly setting themselves up to have the best shot of getting Connor Bedard. Like, does it take that? Like that moment, it's. It's already unacceptable at this point to to think that uh, the, the Canucks aren't going to make changes. But if you lose to them on Saturday after everything's happened, man, like I think that might be the start... end of the road, right? Like I, I, I think yeah, you need to start making trades very soon. But that's, I mean, you lose to Arizona on Saturday. I think Boudreaux played his coach this last game. Potentially, I, can, I mean, though I don't think he's the problem. And then you yeah. and I have talked about this a lot. We don't think he's the problem. Look at Alex. He's all excited. Just ran the lottery. He had Ottawa getting first place as his senators. <laughs> Alex, how'd you pull that one off? Your senators at number one, Alex. I didn't ring it. They're that bad this year. <laughs> you what? You you ran it like fifteen times until you got that result. I think he did it live there. I saw it. It was just once. I did it live. I just hit it once. Wow. You rigged it. Yeah, I don't believe it. Alex, he's. I know Alex has got tricks up his sleeve on the back end there. He rigged it. His senators picking Connor Bedard. Probably recorded that video <laughs> in advance, just like 15, 15 times, and then just clipped the one time where he ran it, and um, and Ottawa ended up winning. I don't know. Here, I'll hit it again. Let's see. San Jose. Okay, San Jose in Arizona. All right, we'll keep the uh, lottery simulator open uh, for for certain episodes down yeah, the road. Yeah, just, just send sure Connor Bedard to San Jose, right in the Canucks division. Boy, yeah, that would be great. Oh man! <laughs> All right, quick. Uh, I got a quick little prospects update here. We did get a goal, or sorry, a primary assist from uh, Yanni Yermo today. Uh, Alex, you can go ahead and blow me up here. I don't know if Harm's going to be on the sleeper cam. I forget what he's like with the prospect report. But uh, here's Yanni Yermo today getting some time on the first power play or second power play unit uh, in Liga. He gets a shot off uh, that was tipped in front. Uh, so nice to see him getting some power play time. He only played 10 minutes in this game, but another point for Yermo. Uh, always good to see from the Canucks prospects when they throw up some points. So that wraps it up for the prospects they have report. advertisements on the nets there? Dude. That's we, ugly. We talked about that. Me and Quads talk about this sometime. We would love to get a Canucks Army uh, sponsorship or like a Nation Network, whatever, on one of like the Al Svenskin jerseys. It's like that yeah. can't be that much. It can't be. It can't be that much. We got to talk to our big bosses. Quads is, it's, you know, I got to talk to Quads about it. He's the money man over here. Um, or maybe you, just like you get your picture of you on a jersey with all the money you got <laughs> stashed away. All right, Bill, let's get Betway and let's get out of here. Uh, we got our Betway bets of the day. Alex, you're going to like this one. I got the uh, got the Senators in my bets uh, for the day. Pull it up here, Alex. Thomas Shabbat, over 2.5 t- uh, shots on net in this one. You're getting that at plus 100, so even odds on that. Uh, Shabbat's playing like t- almost 27 minutes a night over his last uh, six games. I think he's at like 26-47. Uh, so he's just playing a ridiculous amount right now. And Alex Dabrinka, he puts up a ton of shots. I think over his last, I feel like it's three games, he's averaging like 4.6 shots. So a uh, little bit less there. You're getting that at minus 150 on Dabrinka, but he's been shooting the puck a lot. Alex, I know you love to see when Alex Dabrinka's shooting the puck, but what do you think about Shabbat and how much minutes he's playing right now? 27 minutes over the last six games here. Yeah, a little too much. You know, I'd like to see him under 25, give some of those extra minutes to Jake Sanderson. Mm. He's playing lights out if you watch. Yeah. Well, I don't because it's the Senators, but <laughs> <laughs> I know you do, Alex. You got to, somebody, you got to watch over there, watch your boys. But uh, all right, we'll wrap playing things up. as well there. as one of the last place teams can play. I, I <laughs> yeah. 
It's true. We almost, uh, you know what, I, I watching Vancouver and Ottawa matchup. Those, Don't worry, those we understand moral games. victories here too. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. Looking for. Maybe some draft lottery simulators as we move forward. Harm, another Friday joining us here. Do this every week with you. I appreciate you coming by on another Friday here, man. Um, anything exciting on the weekend coming up? I know I always see you on these little sneak away conversations with these players in the locker room. You got anything exciting coming up here? That's a good question. No, I mean, I'm still kind of working on stuff. Um, I don't think I'm going to have, you know, I don't think I have an article going up this weekend, but still plugging away at things. The problem is like, I've actually had some great features mm. and conversations with guys, even dating back to the first road trip of the season, but they like, don't really work when the team or certain individual players are playing the way they are. It would, yeah. it would seem totally tone deaf. So like I kind of have to wait for the right opportunities to kind of um uh drop them like I you know have had conversations with um Pod Colson and and Hughes and so I mean at some point I promise people at the Athletic will, will get that will get, will get that content um I just have to wait for the right situations to kind of emerge itself with the team and some of these individual performances I know a couple of the articles that you've worked on and they're fun but I feel you like you can't post. Oh, your, yeah. I know that you wrote. Like, I know you've, you've done some really fun articles and done the research to get a lot of cool quotes from people. But I know you can't post it right now. Uh, yeah, not an incredibly fun time. All right, we'll wrap things up there uh, for my co-host Harmon Dahl, our producer Alex Allard from the show as well. My name's Chris Faber. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Wrap it up. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation, delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.